Hey y'all, and welcome back to Uplift Fit Nutrition Radio. I'm your host, Lacey Dunn, registered dietitian, here to spread the scientific knowledge in the worlds of fitness and nutrition. I'm so excited about today's episode, so make sure you listen in and get ready to learn. Awesome. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Uplift Fit Nutrition Radio. Today, I have Chase Tuning. He is the owner and founder of Everford Radio. And guys, he has he balances so many things, struggles so many things in life. He's also a fellow cold brew lover. So shout out to cold brew lovers. And I'm so excited to have you, Chase. I know you're super busy. So thank you so much for taking your time to come on my podcast. Can you tell my listeners a little bit about who you are? what you do, what got you started into health and fitness, and then we can dive into some very, very important topics for today. Absolutely. Lacey, thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, We all live in a busy world. We all have the same hours in the day, so your time is just as valuable as mine. I appreciate that. But yeah, my name is Chase Tuning. I am the host of Ever Forward Radio. I've been running now, well, technically been hitting record for three years, but the show has been live It'll be three years coming up January 2020. Hard to believe. And I also run Ever Forward Coach, our online coaching and consulting business. And um, those are kind of my two areas areas of genius, my two babies for sure under uh, our EF brand. And yeah, I feel like I've been doing this my whole life. It just has taken me many, many years to kind of filter down and get more specific and, and intentional with it all. Um, I'm an army veteran, was active duty for six years. And that truly was kind of to answer the last part of your question, the how and the why I got into this for myself. Now it was an extremely physically demanding and active job. And I wound up getting pretty banged up, went through some serious injuries and actually was medically discharged. And so I really had to, well, I didn't have to, I guess I wanted to refocus things because I knew that my daily life was going to be different. I, I, my movement, my exercise, my, my eating habits, my entire life was different. And I I wanted to just get intentional with it and really understand what happened to my body and how I can make these improvements for the long haul of life. And so that kind of led me into the interest of studying it. So when I got out, I went to school and studied exercise science for my undergrad and just realized that holy crap, you can do this as a job and um, went through basically every job you could have in the health and wellness fitness field, personal trainer, group exercise instructor, corporate wellness, online coaching, in-person. And then, yeah, in 2017, exactly, Lacey, actually, this funny timing, pretty much exactly two years ago, I left working for other people and and launched my own thing, went full-time with the podcast, full-time online coaching, and um I'm not homeless yet, so still still holding on to a few good things. <laughs> well, let's hope you don't get homeless. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of like my story uh, in, an, in a nutshell, really, and kind of what led me to what I'm doing now. That's awesome. And it is such a testimony because it's really hard to go out on your own. It's really hard to leave where you are comfortable and get to where y- you don't know what the next step is. It's not in your hands. You don't you you aren't being paid on a constant basis with things like um, health insurance and all these benefits. So it's really scary to go out on your own. And just like any new diet, any new fitness regimen, it really takes getting into the unknown and getting uncomfortable in order to make that growth and change happen in your life. That's it. And I'm sure a lot of what you 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 talk about and work you know, with your own clientele and audiences is fear. And once I, I kind of recognized that the biggest thing holding me back from fulfillment and being happy and showing up to a job and showing up to my day that I really enjoyed was just fear. I knew that I had the potential. I had the skill set. For me, I was leaving one job and going to another, but it was just you know doing the same job basically for somebody else, and now it would be doing it for me. So once I kind of realized that like Chase, you're not trying to learn an entire new skill set. You're not trying to completely shift careers. You're just one day going to wake up and go to work for you instead of punching in for somebody else. So fear was my biggest limiting factor. Fear was, um, it it, it was a scary animal and it still pops up every once in a while in this self-employed journey when, yeah, you don't have that Mm -hmm. paycheck every two weeks, but, uh, it just, 
it's a process of learning how to sit and be comfortable with fear and understand how it can serve me uh, rather than it, it dictating me, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, so let's talking about, you know, being your own boss, talking about being an online coach. Let's first talk about common mistakes that different trainers and coaches make. So I think what's really important is to note that there are some, of course, amazing coaches and there are some bad coaches and we'll dive into the how to spot a bad coach. But let's talk about the common mistakes that good coaches make. Yeah. And I'll speak from experience here because I I think and I, I feel well too. I'm an open book. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm sure we have a lot of uh, great stories and a lot of horror stories we can we can shine a light uh, yeah. on. But yeah, I would consider myself a good coach. And a good coach meaning, you know, I had the education, the credentials, the experience, and I, I knew what I was talking about. And so I made the mistake, especially when branching out on my own, of well, it's kind of a double edged sword. I would say of chasing the dollars. Uh, and, ch and chasing the wrong clients, um, because in the beginning, especially if I'm speaking to someone who is, you know, trying to do it for themselves, you, you need the dollars. Let's be honest. You need the revenue. You got to pay rent. You have bills. You know, food is good. Electricity is good. Water is good. You have to have these things covered. Um, so I think a common mistake good coaches make is just saying yes to the wrong clients. We're saying yes to the dollar first and, and not really spending enough time to really understand and know without a shadow of a doubt. I am your person. You are my person. I can definitely help you. And there are even so many people that come to mind when I said yes, that I knew that I could help, but there was just that one little thing, whether it was during like an initial consultation, whether it was in person, video, email, whatever, just one little thing in the back of my head was just like, Chase, I don't know. Something just kind of feels like a little off, or maybe that you really think this person you know you can help them, but for some reason, just you don't think they're going to be adherent or something they've said about their past experience with a coach or weight loss, weight gain, whatever, is just kind of a red flag and not paying attention to that red flag because the dollars were more important at the time. So you need to go through that process. You need to learn you know, what is, who is the right client for you, who is not, and how to kind of discern filtering through, you know, the dollars versus the ideal client. Um, you, most of us know how to help people, um, certain structure, maybe whatever your philosophy is or how you go about helping people specifically, maybe unique to you, but paying attention to those little subconscious feelings or red flags is, uh, I think a great learning experience I hope to pass on for people. Yes, completely agree. And I've been there. You know, I've had people that come to me where I'm like, eh, like maybe, you know what, maybe we, we aren't a good fit. And then that red flag sometimes turns into, ooh, you know what, I should have done an even deeper analysis on their own emotional health. Yes. Because what they need is counseling. They don't need my nutrition advice. They need a counselor. So it's really, it's hard and it's tough. And sometimes it's not your fault. It's a little red flag and you don't see it because they don't tell you about their history. They're scared to tell you about the history. I don't blame them. I don't blame them. Yeah. It's scary to talk about that stuff. But that's when that trust and that communication like I tell my clients, that is the foundation of coaching. So now if I take somebody on, if you are not going to be completely open and honest with me about where you are now, your history, what you want to focus on, whether that's like somebody who's, they're adamant about changing their body and they know that the scale is like something they fixate on, you got to tell me that. Even if I don't agree with that, you have to tell me that. So, you know, there's things that we, we've all, those red flags are really important to look at. And it's all about knowing that, you know, those are learning experiences, right? Exactly. So we learn from all those experiences. Yeah. And what you're talking about really often, unless the person is just truly a big open book and you guys, you know, hit it off from the, from the get go, those types of conversations and truths that come out don't typically happen for a little while. So mm -hmm. don't beat yourself up too much if you, you think you might've said yes too soon. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, maybe this is out of my scope of practice, or maybe you, you need some additional help in some way, shape or form. True coaching outside of just here's a workout, here's, you know, some nutritional guidance. True coaching is showing up in their life in exactly. any form uh, outside of the gym, in the gym, out of the kitchen, in the kitchen, whatever. True coaching means a lot of different things. And you will wear a lot of different hats. Sometimes mm -hmm. you're the nutritionist, sometimes you're the the 
the personal trainer. Sometimes you're the bartender. Sometimes you're the therapist. But it's it's recognizing, (laughs) you know, maybe here's your your BCAs with a shot. Who knows? Um, But, you know, because bartenders, they hear so many things. People just pour their hearts out to them. But it's recognizing when and how you need to show up for that person. And sometimes that you don't recognize that until you know weeks or months into it because they finally have developed that level of trust with you they've developed that level of trust maybe even with themselves you know to open up so don't beat yourself up too much if maybe you're experiencing this um but just take be able to take a step back and look at okay when did we get to this point how did we get to this point is it truly just now an evolution of our relationship an evolution of our coaching professional relationship or did i miss something do i need to go back and this is where i'll add on to that initial question lacy is that the better that we can do this it helps us filter down to truly understand i think the most crucial the most important part of how to be or how to become a better coach you have to know your ideal client you have to know you have to spend the time to to literally create a day in the life, create their history, their name, from the second they wake up to the second they go to sleep. Who are they? Who are the people in their lives? What are their stressors? What do they enjoy? What do they believe? Where do they come from? What's their upbringing? How many siblings? I mean, build an entire movie of their life. That way you know every time when you go to post something online or you send out an email or you're you're posting up you know, at an expo or whatever, you're, you're casting a very, very unique, very, very specific and attractable net for that right one person. And you go deeper on that, that ideal client work. And this is a lot of what I do when I do like, you know, coach the coaches kind of thing, B2B coaching services is spend a lot of time on that. And that will help you filter down, uh, not taking the wrong client, uh, being able to say yes to the right client instead of yes to the dollars. Know your ideal client, spend time on that. And I promise you in the long run, you will always ever you will always know who you are just meant to work with. Exactly. And when you're working with your ideal client, that's that's helping with what you're passionate about. So to give you an example, some people are extremely passionate about helping people with emotional eating or intuitive eating. So that would be their ideal client. For me, my ideal client is somebody who is dealing with thyroid or hormonal disorders. To me, helping with that aspect, helping people get their health back and tackle their own demons in regards to their health, that is my passion. So there's nothing wrong with having your own ideal client. And that's super important. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you know who you are trying to talk to, then you'll know when they walk in front of you. If you know what they look like, what they sound like, what they think. And you'll think, know what they deal with. Exactly. Exactly. You know, to a certain level, you're not going to know every single detail, but the more yeah. detailed you get in describing this person, then you're going to know what to look for, who to look for. And your vernacular, your body language, how you show up, how you talk is going to resonate with that person. So it may not be you finding them it may be them finding you. Now, I would say my ideal client is a crazy cat lady, ladies. So (laughs) if you're a crazy cat lady, we are good to go because we are all the same. (laughs) That's very specific. That's very specific. Good for you. Had to throw it in. Okay. I would say definitely a mistake I personally made is not setting time boundaries. So when I first started coaching, I would always, always have my emails up. I would answer. I was crazy. I would answer my emails in the gym, try and get back to people as soon as possible. And it was the most draining thing ever. I would, it would be like at 11 PM and I'd be like, oh, dang, I have five emails. I need to answer them. So I'd quickly answer them. And that was the worst thing I could have done. One, because you have to set your own boundaries for yourself. And two, you have to set your own boundaries for your clients. So they need to know sometimes that they got to be big, big boys and girls. And if it's 10 p.m. at night and they have X amount of macros left, you aren't there to just give them the right answer. They need to learn. And then, of course, it's all about taking care of yourself, too, as a coach. You can't expect to pour out of an empty cup. So if you keep giving and giving and giving and you're not pouring into yourself and giving yourself your own time, you're just going to run yourself dry. So those are definitely things I've personally learned. I, I give my clients, they have to check in on their specific day. 
And then they have to check in by 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. That way I know that everybody's in and I can answer everybody by 5 p.m. That way everybody has their email to me and everybody has their email from me back. And that has been the biggest game changer in my own business. I couldn't agree more. And that rings true to a lot of kind of the protocols that, that I run through with others as well. And the, the second biggest thing we run through is setting expectations. And that's exactly what you're talking about, Lacey, is yes, to help your sanity and to take care of yourself so that you can then help those that you're here to, to serve. But you, you have to set those initial expectations. You need to let the client know their expectations of you and your expectations of them. That way it's no longer like you're saying, it's 10 p.m. and they don't know what to do or they have a question around, you know, do I need to do this? How many calories should I have left? Insert any question here that I'm sure a lot of us have had at the, you know, the peak hour of the night. That's not coaching. Also, if, if you're in a, a situation where the expectation is of that client that whenever they have a question as, and not to discredit anybody here, but as fundamental uh, as, I have X amount of macros left. What should I eat? What's the best option? That's spoon feeding. Exactly. You're not coaching them. You're not mirroring back to them and you're not helping them. You're not empowering them. All you're doing is just, hey, if and when you ever have a question about anything along the journey to this goal, I'm your guy. I'm your girl. That's not a coach. That's that's a letting people know which search bar search bar to go to to type in something. <laughs> you're not empowering them to actually learn the steps necessary to build that lifestyle so that they can be perennial in their goal. Um, and again, you know, everybody has their ups and their downs and some people are going to be more knowledgeable along their path. Uh, so not to, again, not to discredit anyone's client coach experience there, but again, you got to set those expectations that way they know if, and when something happens, they know how to appropriately respond and for the coach as well. Yeah. Now let's talk about one more. What's one more common mistake that you would say that coaches or trainers make? Looking at every other coach, looking at every other mm, trainer. That's a good one. It's great for for knowledge. It's great to just see what's going on. It's great to just see maybe what you are not seeing in terms of um, you know, a new study or a new piece of equipment or a new online client management software. It's good for just gathering information, but it's a very, very slippery slope. I have found, again, personally, that will lead you to analysis by paralysis. You will see other people's onboarding forms. You will see other people's uh, group coaching, one-on-one -on -one coaching, different tiers, mentorships, uh, live events, price points, especially price points. And you will begin to look at, wow, like how come they're charging $100 more a month than what I am and I'm doing the exact same if not more? Or how come their clients keep signing back up again with them and I can't retain a client to save my life? When you look at everybody else, you begin really subconsciously to compare yourself. And it, that we get inside of our own heads enough as, as a coach, especially when you're doing on your own. Like, am I doing this right? Is this the right value point? Do I have enough clients to pay the bills? All those things to live and survive. But when you start looking at everybody else, that's when you're looking at the wrong people. You're looking at people. And you're taking away from your exactly, own coaching. Exactly. Yeah. You're taking away from time that you could spend looking at, all right, who is in front of me? Who is in my audience online? Who has been engaging with me the most? Who's in my email? Who do I know in real life? Who do I already have that's working with me? What do I need to do to pour my heart and soul into them in the appropriate manners so that I know without a shadow of a doubt they are getting every dollar's worth with me? Maybe even more. Maybe looking at opportunities where what you have now with someone, maybe they're coming up, you know, their experience, their package or whatever is ending in like two weeks. All right. I know I can help them more. How? How will I help them? How will I present this? And, and at what value? I think we're looking at the wrong people a lot of times. And it's good, like I said, for knowledge gathering, but it be very, very careful because you will be, then begin to try to build your business like everybody else's business. And it's not meant for you. It's not meant for your clients. Exactly. And I don't want to put everybody into a box, but there is a lot of times these days, and I see it in the dietitian world too, um, people who, they, they were a coach, and, and this does not apply to you because I know you're doing this, but they were <laughs> a coach, and now they want to coach coaches. Well, I'm seeing this in people who have literally only coached for like a year, and I'm like, that does not make any sense. 
Yeah. They did not have the experience and the knowledge as a coach to then try and coach you into coaching. You like being a good coach is learning through years of experience. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and that's where I think uh, I'm a little unique. And again, going back to the initial conversation of you know fear, once I really recognized that, wait a minute, Chase, you do have this experience. You are the person. It's just a matter of, again, doing it for yourself instead of somebody else. I, I went to undergrad for exercise science. I've done personal training, group exercise, got my master's in health promotion, concentration in nutrition. I, I've been a certified health coach through ACE for, I think, going on four or five years now. And in my last job, that's what I did day in, day out. And not only that, I actually was responsible. I ran our wellness department, our coaching department. And so I was responsible for hiring, firing, training, onboarding, coaching other coaches. And so once I really looked back at what I had done and somebody believed in me enough, this you know, they, they hired me, they promoted me, did all these things, looked at that kind of necessary for a necessary time, looked at that external validation to help build up my internal validation, which I think is a big uh, other mental block for a lot of people stepping out of their own. Um, I, I knew that I could do it. And so when I separated and when I went out, you know, I launched Everford Coach. And for the first year or so, that's all I was doing was just online health and fitness, nutrition, coaching, health coaching. Um, and and I, then I kind of stepped out into coaching other coaches. And that year mark, I think, is very specific very great great mention Lacey that that's kind of about the time frame where people realize maybe oh I've been doing this long enough I have enough social proof that I can do other people I can coach other coaches and that often comes with the last thing I was talking about looking at the business looking at the the industry looking at what other people are doing because when you do that you realize that most people when you're working b2b the value is more, the price point is more because you're helping people immediately build their business and you know, ideally you know, help make more money, make more impact. Uh, so I think, again, people, coaches, can chase that dollar sign instead of that ideal client and staying within their scope of practice. So for me, it, it was really just, again, as I grew my business, as I scaled, as I grew the clientele and, and the brand and the reach and everything, um, getting much more specific on my ideal client. And I realized that for me, I, my biggest goal is just chasing impact. I, I, how do I help? with the right message, impact the most amount of people and empower others, educate and empower. I'm not here to, to lead and build my own kind of paradigm, but how do I empower other individuals? And it really comes down to that. Okay, I can help one other coach, five other coaches, 10 other coaches do that. And then they have that awesome ripple effect, um, which is really predominantly what I do now. I, I only have really just less than five, I think, clients, personal one-on-one -on -one clients where the fitness and nutrition is a big component of it, but it's much more personal development, professional development. Uh, and the rest of it is all B2B, coaching other coaches and helping other people. Again, because I stopped getting out of that fear mentality or stopped staying behind that fear mentality and recognize this is what I have done. This is what I know I can do. Um, and that's a powerful question that others should ask themselves as well. Yeah, and the reason I wanted to mention that is because, you know, there are bad, there are bad coaches, there are bad business coaches. And there is sometimes a problem only you can fix. So yes, yes. Chase knows that he has the background. He has the experience to help coaches in their own business, to help empower them and change their own methods. And maybe he had a fear of doing that, but he knew that he could fix or help with the problem and that the others, other people doing it, were not doing it the right way. And you can apply that into your own coaching skills. So I know for me, I see different uh, coaches and dietitians going after helping people with PCOS and their thyroid issues. And I know they're doing the wrong things. They're not going after the root cause of the, pro the problem. They're just trying to cover up the symptoms. They're not actually doing uh, evidence-based work. And I know that I have the background and the knowledge and the empathy because I've gone through my own issues to be able to properly help them. So that's why it's really important to get over that fear and know that if you have that background, if you have that knowledge, go with it. Don't be afraid to, you know, get uncomfortable and tackle that problem. Yes. Yeah. You said it so well. Uh, and I think the biggest takeaway I heard in that is being able to better understand who you are and your experiences and your story. I think we can only ever offer significant advice, significant insight, whether it's just to the general public or to another coach or we're helping someone specifically in our industry, if we have gone through it. 
And that is where I think, and kind of really summarize this point, is that where most people make the mistake before jumping ship to, you know, helping others, you know, B2B type stuff, is have you gone through this? Now, I'm all for getting out of your comfort zone and challenging yourself and pushing your, yourself personally and professionally and just seeing what you're capable of and what ignites you, you know, new projects, new endeavors. But you really... You, you gotta, sometimes you gotta chill out. You know, you, you gotta stay within your scope of practice or put yourself in situations that will give you that new experience that will then allow you to expand your scope of practice. But don't just jump into, you know, randomly decide to promote yourself to an entirely new <laughs> career if you've never experienced anything in that industry before, in that role. Very well said. Now let's transition into a hot topic and let's talk about bad coaches because. We are going into the new year. We are going into the time where everybody is going to be actually looking for a trainer because it's new year, 2020, you know, want to change their lifestyle, want to get their body the way they want to be. And that's totally okay. I say start now, but everybody's going to be hiring different coaches. So let's talk about red flags to look for in a bad coach. And then let's also talk about what to look for in a good coach. Yeah. So I think what would make a bad coach or will say a red flag on the consumer's end is anyone who just says, hey, join my program, like, hey, buy this here. Unless it is just a, a one-off, like no one-on-one -on -one experience, no group experience. If it's just like a, a workout program that hopefully you've kind of read over and matches a goal of yours and looks safe. If anyone is just like, give me your name, give me your credit card information and sign up here without anything else, don't do that. Don't do that. Just, just run. Because we're going to wind up in the same situation we we're talking about earlier of no clear expectations, not the ideal client, not the ideal coach. And look, I'm in the business of trying to set people up for success as much as possible. And when you just say yes to anybody and anything without actually sitting down and looking at how does this serve me, then you're not going to be successful in the long run. You may get that new year, new me high after a few weeks, but if it's just take my money, take my name and you know, I'll, I'll talk to you. 12 weeks later kind of thing. Don't do that. Um, and another thing I think that makes bad coaches is talking about other bad coaches. Um, if the person you're looking to work with in any way, shape or form is talking about other coaches, I'll say it's good to shine a light. And I think not to say that every bad coach just talks about how all other coaches are bad, but if they're specifically talking about specific people uh, or just bashing name in the, exactly name calling mudslinging, yeah. because again, that goes back to my earlier point of that tells me that that coach, that trainer, that expert, whatever, that professional quote unquote here is spending a lot of time looking at other coaches and looking at other people instead of looking at what they have to offer and how they can educate and empower and add value to you, which is, you know, I, I, I hope I, that never comes across in any of my content. Lacey, I've never seen it in, in yours you know, outside of this conversation we're talking about right now. But it's good to bring awareness to people because, look, the consumer this day and age, the client has all the purchase power. They're, the internet, uh, Yelp, Google reviews, you know, Instagram, all of these things has leveled the playing field. They are so educated and they can find out so much about you very, very quickly. So what do you want them to find? Do you want them to find a rant you have about how so many other people are crap and are blah, 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 or you come across, you know, Lacey's content and all she does is talk about, this is what I do. This is why I do it. This is the, these are the people that I help hear examples of that. That just gives you a warm fuzzy right out of the gate. You don't want to step into that kind of energy of just, yeah, everybody else is, is crap. You know, I'm the only one who knows what they're doing. Again, you're focusing your time and attention on the wrong people completely agree and i'm glad you mentioned that i've seen um different coaches specifically contest prep coaches for some reason talk about you know the post uh, the photo or talk about a bad coach that was backstage or something i'm like well why don't you just focus on your clients that were at that event and just focus on their success yeah. focus on how they yeah. did and how they felt versus just talking bad about the the other coach or the other clients that's really really important and i would say you know a bad coach is not willing to change change their thoughts and be open-minded. Good coaches will be open-minded about all ideas, all walks of life. You know, they're not anti 
everything. They're not they're not anti-vegan, keto, uh, low-carb dieting. They are open to different changes in science, and I think that's really important. They're pro-you. They're pro-you, the client. They're not anti-anything. They're pro-you. Yes. Who are you? What do you need? What do you want? How can we create the best plan of action for you exactly? Exactly. They're all about indiv individualization. I think that's one of the most important things. And I think it might be even better to just – you know, say a good coach is going to be really trying to dive into not only what can we do to help reach your physical goals, but what can we do to help increase your overall quality of life, your overall well-being? What can we do to make you happier and healthier? Because to me, that's what coaching is. It's, it's about really digging into somebody's past, their emotions, their frustrations, their struggles, creating and sustaining healthy habits. That is what a coach does. The workout, fitness, physical activity, exercise is just a vehicle. A meal plan, nutritional food, guidance, you know? exactly. It's all just a vehicle. It, these are all vehicles that help us arrive to the destination that good coaching, honest coaching should yield. And that's exactly everything you just said, Lacey. And that's what provides fulfillment or mm -hmm. where in your life can we put you on a path to maybe work towards fulfillment? What makes you happy? How do you make others happy? What are all these other extraneous variables outside of what you're doing, outside of what you're eating that honestly make up the vast majority of your day-to-day -day life? You know, eating and training for most people, especially if we're talking about, you know, let's say a new client just kind of getting their feet wet here, uh, is, is only a couple hours a week versus however many dozens of other hours, if not hundreds of other hours a week the rest of their life is pouring into them or they're pouring into other people's lives. So that, you know, it, it takes a lot of work and it takes time to really understand the big picture. And more importantly, to help your client understand the big picture and how every single part of that is connected. And it takes work in each area to ultimately reach that goal of fulfillment, happiness, and true wellness. Exactly. And I would just like to pinpoint one more thing. And I would like to say, when you're looking at hiring a coach, don't just look at the physical transformations. Be like, oh my gosh, look at her or look at him. He lost a lot of weight or he changed his body composition drastically because that, yes, that's really impressive. And that tells you that the coach can make results happen, but it doesn't tell you if that was done in a healthy way. And it also does not tell you what happened after that. It doesn't tell you, you know, did the coach actually help them get their metabolic rate back up and reverse diet? Or did the coach just ghost them after they reached their goal and then screenshot them on the internet? So... <laughs> Don't be don't be afraid to ask people what their experiences were with a different coach. I think that is so important. And it I know I, it's scary. It's scary to be like, oh my gosh, I know you worked with this coach. How did you feel about them? But it's really important to do because you want to get an open, honest um, answer to what their experiences were. I definitely agree. And I will even I will ante up that, Lacey, and say, no, this is probably going to be a little bit more difficult. But I think the truest best marker of a successful coach in keeping in mind this the, every aspect of life you know health wellness fitness body composition you know everything here is don't ask the person about their experience with the coach don't look at their before and after but in an ideal world here this would be ideal situation if you could go interview or talk to slide into the dms whatever of the people in their life that I think would be the biggest indicator of how successful they were because how they look is one thing and hell, it might even just be face tuned, you know, out the wazoo. <laughs> so how they look might not even be how they look, but you're only going to get one side of the coin. And in my opinion, and in my experience, the best feedback I have ever, ever received is certainly from the amazing you know, I feel so much better. I'm so much happier from the individual client. But when, when their husband, their boyfriend, their their family, their coworkers, I find out from other people around them how they have just improved in life, at work, in every other way possible. Because that's the ripple effect. That that's really what I'm after, and that tells me that what we worked on wasn't just one dimensional. It wasn't just how you can look better, maybe also, you know, feel better in the gym, out of the gym, whatever, but then you're showing up as an entirely better person for all these other people in your life. And then I know that, hey, you're good. You're, you're going to go on, you're going to do great things you know, and great things with the people around you. 
I love that so much. Of course, it does require um, a little being more in work. Touch with yeah, that. yeah, a little bit of work, but it's word of mouth and all that stuff is just beyond amazing. I know I just had a client. She went to New York City with her family and she struggles hardcore or has struggled in the past. And her family was telling her how much she'd grown and how proud of them, proud of her they were. And it was just, it was amazing to hear because that's how you know you're making a change is if people notice. That's awesome. Good for her. Good for you. And that's not just, that's not physical change. That's emotional change, you know, not being stressed out about going out to eat. Yep. And that's the long lasting stuff. That's, that's the perennial stuff we're talking about here that, you know, you have educated and empowered that person to the point that no matter where they go, they, they take a little bit of you with them and they can make the best decision for them at that moment for their goal. I'm going to start telling all my clients that just take (laughs) a little bit of Lucy with you in your heart, wherever you go, put me in your pocket. There we go. (laughs) Oh gosh, somebody's going to come up with a flat Stanley now. <laughs> you remember flat Stanley? Yeah. Did you have a flat Stanley? Oh my gosh, yeah. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> hey, maybe this would be a great way to uh, grow your audience online. You can start a little viral meme or something. You got, you got, now you got a, Stop. you have a thing, Lacey, now. Oh, <laughs> uh, I have to trademark it. <laughs> start the meme before somebody else does. Exactly. Okay. So let's move on and talk about top lessons that you've learned for expanding your business while expanding your life. Because I know you are a super busy person. You're like me. You wear a lot of hats. No doubt sometimes you feel like you are being pulled from all ends of your body and maybe all that's left is a little heart that's beating, but that's okay. Let's talk about what you've learned for balancing life. And I know sometimes people are anti-balanced. They're all like, Because I can be that way. You know, we have a certain goal. We have a certain passion. We pull all our effort into that. And of course, things have to be taken away. But what have you learned to help diminish that and to help with overall life and balance? Because you have loved ones. You have a family. So what has been the top recommendations or the top lessons that you've learned? Yeah, such a powerful question and a necessary one. That was a really long one. I'm sorry. No, no, not at all. It, um, it's very, very important to keep in mind as we move forward, especially when you're a small business owner, when you're when you're doing your own thing, right? You're doing your side hustle, you're doing your full-time whatever. You have to foster a community along the way. You have to have people in your life that you trust, that you respect, that you would ask for advice and also take their criticism. Um, you would listen to their feedback, their opinion, but at the same time you would ask for it. You know, sometimes we don't ask for opinions and people just give them. Um, so having the right people in your life is crucial. Even if that's just one person, one person, your, your significant other, boyfriend, a classmate, whatever, that you can just openly and honestly say, hey, and again, this goes back to what we're saying earlier, setting expectations. You know, how can you kind of set expectations for yourself for success? Is let this person know. Uh, maybe you know it's a similar coach. Maybe you guys you know found each other in the gym. You're launching a business and you are working towards similar goals. Either way, you're good here. But just ask them. Say, hey, I'm working on this thing. This is what I'm I'm shooting towards. Just just begin to share really what you're working on and share why. Because if it's the right person, the right person will take note of when you deviate from your course, uh, when maybe you know your why isn't as clear, when maybe, hell, maybe when you just look like crap and you're just running yourself into the ground and they can ask you, hey, like, hey, man, when's the last time you slept? Like, when's the last time you ate? What, you look dehydrated. You know, are you taking care of yourself? You have to have the right people along the way. And it can just be one person. It can be a community. Um, I firmly believe in, the power of in-person engagement. So I would love for people to, you know, go call me old school, but, you know, go back and actually have in-person relationships. But, you know, if you can't, you know, find an online community, a Facebook group, a meetup, whatever. Um, and also the power of having the right people at um, the, the right stages of their life in your life. Uh, I like this rule of thirds I heard a long time ago. Keep a third of the people in your life that you can teach that they're more like the student role that you can educate and empower, not below you, but, you know, maybe if that's how you want to say, you know, below you in the sense of, you know, they have five clients and you have 500 kind of thing, then have a third of the people in your life that are at your level, that are at your level in terms of maybe, you know, success, you know, your business size, um, general interests in life that is very easy to just relate to. 
And then the other third, people that you look up to, people that are teaching you, that you are the student and they are the teacher. Uh, and you can, regardless if you're making $1,000 a month or $100,000 a month, that you can still go to them and know that they're, they're above you and that they have much more to teach you, much more experiences, do's and don'ts. And just, I, I love this rule of thirds because I think it really helps us keep, you know, helps keep us humble in a way, helps kind of keep that ego in check. Uh, and also it always allows us to be the student, be the teacher, uh, to be of service and to be serving others at the same time. Love it. Love it. Now, what would be something that you had to overcome in your business in order to grow? Knowing my value. Oh my gosh. I, ah. I mean, and look, everyone goes through this, I think, unless you're just way smarter than me and odds are there are a lot of people that are, <laughs> but when I got started, what I was valuing myself as in terms of how I was working with people, what they would get, the access they would get to me, um, anything and everything in between that was Lacey. I was working with people as little as like, you know, $49 a month for like a form of a touch point. And Holy moly, yeah, now that was kind of a little bit different. We had a different model. We, you know, I launched EF coach using a, um, we created a health tracker app. And so it was just kind of basic touch points, accountability here and there, like digital coaching really. And then that grew up to at most, I think when I really first started was, um, like 149 a month. And that's when I was, I was running ragged. I was up all night. I was just doing the most for these clients that, you know, that, that 149 price point doesn't even exist anymore, but knowing my value. And that came from honestly, truly the, that rule of thirds that I had of not looking at the industry, like I was saying before of, Oh, well they're charging X amount. So I should too, but having the right people in my life to share here's why I set this price point, here's what it includes, and here's why I think this makes sense. And having the people in my life to kind of be like, uh, like yes or no kind of thing. Um, so knowing my value, and honestly, complete honesty, that, that's still something that I, I struggle with because I, I don't measure success in dollars. I measure success in fulfillment and happiness and, you know, the kind of momentum of my life, where I'm going, how I'm helping others. And of course, you know, you know what my family situation is. And I recognize money is important. And I've now begun to recognize more that making more money is good because then that allows me to, to grow and expand and to do the big, big picture, big picture things in my life and my business all out of servitude and, you know, growing the message and impact, not for just growing, the bank account. So knowing your value and just checking in with yourself, do market research, you know, what price point did you set six months ago, three months ago, a year ago? And are you still honoring that? Maybe it's gone down, maybe it's gone up, you know, what are other similar services? How can you go deeper with the current clientele you have? And, you know, maybe increase your price point. Maybe, you know, sometimes doing more isn't always doing more. So maybe there's a way you're overworking yourself and it's not worth your time. Hands down, mm -hmm. the best thing you can do is just really look at everything you're doing, how much time are you spending on it, and come up with your hourly rate. That's exactly what I had to do. I came up with my hourly rate and used that setting, you know, set the tone for everything moving forward. And then that changes as I change. That's another, that's the beauty really of once you do this for yourself as once you be, once you level up, once you get more certifications, once you, you know, you know, help a different group of people, once you get better at what you do and you get that feedback from your clientele, you don't have to wait to ask your boss for a promotion. You don't have to wait for that next one year, five year review to come around to finally get that promotion. But you have to be honest with yourself and get that feedback from your peers and your clients of what the value is, what they're getting and what you're giving. Uh, and then you can level up as you level up. Love that so much. I know things that I've personally had to overcome in regards to my own coaching is knowing my value as well, knowing that, you know, I came, I started coaching back when I was a dietetic, before I was a dietetic intern and my prices were low, like yours, like really low. And it then in order to make a living, I had to take on, you know, more clients and taking on that many clients with that low of a price one, it did not even set, even get close to my value. And two, it didn't even get me closer to making a living. So I had to get over the fact that 
I wanted to keep my prices low to help as many people as possible because that's just who I am. I want to be able to reach out more people who can't maybe afford a coach. But, you know, it really came down to I'm worth this value and I have to make a living and I can't just take on like 200 different clients at like $50 a month. I have to put value into people who are going to be able to make a change and want to make a change. And it really took getting over that hump. And so what I did is I said, hey, I will grandfather everybody in that was under me at that price. But anybody moving forward has to pay the increased price. Otherwise, I won't be able to take on any more people. And that will in itself stop me from being able to help others. So everybody in their own business has things that they have to get over. And it's all about not being afraid, getting over that fear, getting over that doubt, and just knowing that you have to do what's best for you as a person, as well as what's best for your own growth in your own company. So true. So true. And one little takeaway I can recommend for people to try maybe if their ears are perking up when we're talking about this, like, yes, I'm undervaluing myself or people think my prices are are too cheap. Um, Test yourself, test your market. If that price point you're scared to offer, let's say you're charging someone 50 bucks a month and you you maybe think like, what is 200? I would love to be making $200 per month per client, whatever, I'm just making a number up. Okay, well, what would a $200 a month experience look like? What would it feel like? Mm-hmm. Instead of starting with, oh, I can't charge that much because it's too much money or my current demographic, my current clientele can't afford it or I'll never be able to sell that. I, 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 that's that's the, the subconscious fear again coming out. That's I'm not worth $200. But just play the game for argument's sake. What would a $200 a month or $2,000 a month, whatever your number is, what would that look like? What would it feel like? How would I work for this person? Who is that person? Again, this is going to cause a little bit of shift in your ideal client because you're going to need to think about them in a different way and they're going to need to be, you know, odds are in a different socioeconomic status or they're going to need to be even that much more motivated to find the money or to allocate resources from another way because that goal, their health, their wellness, their fulfillment is that important to them. So set that task, set that number and just spend some time building out what that experience would look like what the touch points would look like, what are the expectations, and then really take a step back and be like, wow, I, and this is what I did. When I, when I said that scary number a lot of times, wow, Chase, you're actually already doing this for a lot of people, and you're not charging them nearly that price point that you want to move into. So then that will kind of help you just see you know, a better understanding of your business, where and how you're showing up for your people, and better understanding that value and setting new targets, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 100%. So, you know, and all, all in all, good coaches, bad coaches, expanding your business, being able to balance your life. I think a lot of it comes down to knowing who you are and knowing your worth and knowing what you can handle and being willing to be open-minded and being willing to change. So I think those are a good summary of what we've talked about. Yeah. And Lacey, if I can say one more thing, um, if I could give one takeaway, like a blanket statement here, if I'm speaking, if we're speaking to the coach right now, to the person that is maybe just getting started in person, shifting to online, or hell, maybe they've been doing this for 10 years. And I give a lot of credit to my personal coach, which is, I think a good coach has a coach, uh, a friend, a colleague, a mentor, and my personal coach, shout out Jason Phillips. Um, this is kind of like what his model is, and I resonate with it hard, uh, especially everything at Everford. Is most people, most coaches, you don't need a business coach. You, you, you don't need someone to tell you, okay, here's the system, here's the price point, here's the back end, here's all this stuff. Yes, that is very, very useful and helpful, and there's a time and a place for that. But true growth of getting out of the fear mindset, of stopping t- looking at others, of digging deep into your subconscious and digging deep into why you're afraid to set this price point and honor your value and scope of practice. True growth in your business comes from true growth in yourself. And you were kind of touching on that there a a moment ago, but if you want to get better at business and if you want to better understand yourself and better understand people and truly become a good coach, you have to consistently or at least begin to work on yourself. And I can say without a shadow of a doubt, Every time 
that my business has leveled up every time my price point has gone up every time I get more feedback than I ever could imagine it is because I spent the time to pause and to look at myself to bring awareness into my life to have those hard conversations with with my community uh, of my loved ones my family my, my coach and just really take a look at me the person um, that is so much more important than figuring out okay how do I set my price point because if you do that mm -hmm. then you're always just chasing chasing a number chasing a system but if you know yourself and you consistently work on yourself then you're good yeah I love the way you put that and I would like to throw in you know I've had my own moments to where I felt like something was missing in my business. I felt like something was missing, um, whether that was, you know, I wasn't doing the right thing. I was comparing. I thought I needed to learn more as a dietitian and get more knowledge in my life. But it came down to there was nothing missing. I know enough. It wasn't my coaching. It wasn't my business. It wasn't getting more information in my brain. It was the fact that I needed, I needed more Jesus in my life. So don't be afraid to also look into your spiritual health and see how you're doing there and see if maybe if you feel a little bit empty inside, you feel like you could still grow as a person or grow in your business or whatever you're growing after. Sometimes it may be, you know, you're needing a little bit more Jesus time. Identify the source. Absolutely. Yeah. Why am I feeling some kind of way? Is it my emotional health, my spiritual health? Um, absolutely. That, that's so important. Yeah. So just wanted to mention that, throw that in. Maybe it's you need a cat. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, I'm always going to throw that in. My <laughs> listeners know that. <laughs> I'm afraid to, uh, next time I'm back in Houston, I'm afraid to come over to your place. I feel like I'm going to be like bombarded with cats, it sounds like. <laughs> right now it would be good because I just moved in. It's nice and clean. And, um, I don't have all the cat things going on, but I know for my own birthday, which is coming up in January, I'm buying a... Um, like a cat wall thing so they can like climb on it from their their little cat tree and then they can climb onto the um the cat wall thing and it's kind of like a um indiana jones kind of thing oh, where it's no kind way. of like a, um, a bridge yeah it's pretty cool and then it has a second layer so it's like two-tiered oh it's gonna be so epic so when's the the lacy dunn cat cafe launching it sounds like oh, you're building one already. Launching. I'm actually, my future, my goal before I die is to help open a nonprofit animal shelter. So oh, that's amazing. That will happen before I die, but hopefully I don't die anytime soon. So I got time for that. You're good. You're good. Many years ahead of you. <laughs> yes. Many long cat lady years ahead of me. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Chase, for your time. It has been such a pleasure and an honor. Can you tell my listeners where they can find you, they can follow you, and if they need help, where they can reach you? Absolutely. Uh, I pretty much live and breathe and work and play on, on Instagram. You can find me at Chase underscore tuning. That's C-H-E-W-N-I-N-G. And we, we drop new episodes moving 2020, moving into three times a week over on Ever Damn. Forward. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's just, <clears throat> excuse me, a good problem to have. Just been meeting so many new amazing people and, and new content and new ideas that uh, honestly, the backlog is just getting too backlogged. And so we're, we'll be rolling out three times a week on Everforward Radio. So wherever you listen to this show, you can find me, Apple, Google, Spotify. But um, yeah, absolutely. Do not hesitate to reach out to me. Hit me up in the DMs on Instagram. Um, I, I, I will make time for you, wherever you are in your journey, however I can help. Um, honestly, truly, let me know and uh, we'll go from there. But Everforward Radio is the baby, Chase Tuning, Chase underscore tuning on Instagram. And uh, I'm looking forward to connecting with you. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Well, I'll, uh, 